Let's pray this morning uh, to get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we're going to be, be talking about something that, that, is, that is very deep and near and dear to your heart, something that is hard in the world we live in. It's hard to, to understand how to do it without you, and I would say it's impossible. And so, Lord, today, open our hearts and our minds to ways that we can be men and women of integrity in our families, in our community, in our, in our school, in our work, where people start asking questions just because we have integrity. And, and, and there may be some of us here that have suffered because they decided to have integrity. They decided not to to do something that they knew they shouldn't, but everyone else in their peer group was. And so, Lord, we pray today that you help us to see the fruit of having integrity for your glory and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and I've been uh, gone for three weeks, and I would like to tell everybody the one job that I will never take on, stay-at-home dad, okay? All right? After, after staying home with the kids and trying to, to run kids to things and change diapers, and I do all that, but that's when I'm home. But now I was home. You get what I'm saying? Home all the time. I've decided that I will never again, and so husbands, I'm looking at you, never again doubt how hard it is to be a stay-at-home mom. I will never again doubt. So moms, hear this. I am forever grateful to you and to my own wife. <laughs> it's a harder job than I will ever have. So it's, it's, been, it's been awesome to see um, different things kind of along. When, when you have a new baby, there's little things that happen. You know, the umbilical cord falls off, these really cool things. So exciting. Like today we had a different color diaper, if you know what I mean. So like we got excited. Things like that. So I am really excited to be back here. I am really excited to be back here this morning. And so today we are going to be jumping around a little bit in the Bible. We're going to be t talking mostly in Titus, but then we're going to jump to Job, the book of Job. And we're going to talk a little bit in Psalms and Proverbs. And so today we are talking about integrity. If you have our app, you can go to the top of the feed. You click on that. You can go to the Bible app. We have an event in there. It'll have the notes and anything you need for this. So if you have just caught up with us, we're in a series called Circles. And Circles, we're talking about your personal circles. So you have a family unit. And maybe that includes grandparents, maybe that includes aunts and uncles, but there's a family unit. And so that's, that's your family circle. Then there's your work and school circle. So maybe you're in school, or maybe you're in work, or maybe you have both, and you're, you have those circles as well. And so those, those are circles that you can have influence on. Then there's the community have you ever done something in the community and realized and looked over your shoulder and someone saw it and you're like really embarrassed because you're like, oh man. Like, you know, you open the door for someone and then you don't see the next person coming and you kind of just let it go and they slam into it, you know? Oh, that jerk, he totally slammed the door in my face. You know, like you, things happen. So that's why we need to have a witness in our community circles. And so we have, we have, uh, circles meeting every week, so there's, there's times and places in the app. They're also in the bulletin and on the website. So today, we talk about integrity. 
How many of you are sweating already? Okay, integrity is not a fun topic. I mean, when we talk about integrity, and I'm going to get into this, it is really hard. There's business practices that, that, that make it so you can't be a person of integrity. That there's people that push you a certain way. So I'm calling this message, and it's the creepiest title I've ever come up with, okay? When no one's looking, okay? All right, when no one's looking. So I, growing up, I went to a state college in California. The name really doesn't matter because it's just, it's a small, smaller school, for California at least. I went to a state school, and I had an accounting class where we had to take a test on these old tube monitor computers. You know, I know some of you have never seen one of those things, but we had these huge computers, and we would take a test, and we're in this huge computer lab, and we're taking the first test, and I notice that someone is passing around a piece of paper. It's got some information on it. We're in a huge computer lab. There's one test proctor that's kind of walking back and forth like this, and we're in lines, so like you can't see everybody all the time. And I guess this teacher had had tenure. He'd been teaching in class for 30 years, and so he converted his test that he'd had for 30 years to the computer. So there's 30 years worth of students that had the answers. And so this person passing around this piece of paper passed around to the whole class, and I just kind of like let it go. I just kept moving it down the line, whatever, because I wasn't going to look at it. And I realized it had all the answers on it. And then I knew I was in tons of trouble. Here's why I was in trouble. This teacher, when he talked about the syllabus, had said he's curving all the grades. Curving the grades. If you're a teacher, you understand what's going to happen next. I got a 94 in this class. A 94. I wanted to have integrity. I didn't cheat. I got a 94. I got a C. I got a C. I was 94, a C. Anyone that's ever taken a class in their life knows that that's not a C work. That's an A. But I got a C. Why did I get a C? Because most of the people cheated, and they got 100%. And I sat there, and I'm like, well, that serves me right for not cheating. You know, like I was really frustrated. It doesn't always serve you well to do this. And I had three chances. We had three tests in that class on the computer, and they passed around the same piece of paper, different paper, but passed it around, and people just took the answers. And again, this was a general ed course, so no one really wanted to be in this class. So I had every reason, right, to, to step in and actually do something different. But I look back on the experience and realize that most of the time we don't step forward in integrity because we're deciding in that moment that the pain of not having integrity is less than the pain of having integrity. And we're, we're afraid of what might happen. I was very afraid. When I got my final grade, my parents were ticked. But I was like, hey, I got a 94 in the class. This is what happened. And they were like, oh, well, we're proud of you then. It made sense. And so there are times where I've failed that same battle of integrity. But the reason I give you that example is because we're going to encounter that same equation in everything we do, whether it's business, whether it's your job. You know, I remember working retail, and I knew that if I clocked out seven minutes after seven minutes out of every 15, that I would actually get paid for the whole 15. So I get six, or, uh, I, or eight minutes, sorry, eight minutes. And then I get seven minutes that I could just go do whatever I wanted, right? You know, you clock out a little bit early, you get a, few, a little bit more time, but you're really cheating your boss, you know? And so there's ways that we 
can know and believe that integrity is always going to win. So we're going to talk about that today. And so turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, he was struggling with this. He was struggling with his enemies. And I know most of us have enough life experience that we have encountered someone that did something that was wrong. And they still got away with it. And it hurt us. Or it caused us to not win in some way. But I'm here to tell you today, having integrity is always, always the better route. These enemies that Titus had were enemies to the good news of Jesus Christ. And when someone's tempting you to do something that's against what Jesus Christ would have you do, it's the same thing. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not the person. You know, sometimes, and we're going to hear this later with Job, but sometimes the people directly around us are the ones that are going to tempt us the most, and they don't even realize they're doing it. So turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to read that now. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. That's, that's a pretty hard, high bar. Paul's speaking to his friend and wants the best for him. You know, sometimes as friends, we don't tell the other person what's best for them, and that really can be hard. But he's telling him that there needs to be this complete model of integrity. It's not, it's not a partial model. You can't half do it. You know, it's like if I always took the trash can halfway up the driveway and they still picked it up, is that really like me doing it? the whole way, you know, like, that's why I set a reminder on my phone for the trash, because otherwise I forget. So if we have a partial model, I'm going to ask you guys some questions now. I know uh, I'm bringing Star Wars and Legos into the same sermon, so this is like a mega sermon for nerds, but here. So, so let me ask you a question. Which one of these, if you were, if you were buying an item, which one of these would you want to buy? The, the one that looks like it's half made, or the one that looks like it's fully made. Everyone can see this, right? Can you guys see it over there? Here, I'll tilt it. All right? It's fully there. This one, I'm not really sure what's going on with this. Probably one of my kids, but. So when we, when we see that, can anyone tell me, is this a full model? You can say it. Full model? Is this a partial model? It's obvious. Is anyone thinking this is a full model? I, just last chance. Okay. When you are a partial model of integrity, people know that. They see the cracks. They see the cracks and they go, they see you hesitate and they push in further to make you compromise your integrity. We're called to be a complete model. No one likes a fake. You know, if I was on eBay and I sold this as a full model, you know how ticked off the person would be and I'd probably have to run from the FBI. I don't know. They'd be like, what's going on? This show yourself, the show yourself that Paul is talking about, show yourself to be a model of integrity. This model, show yourself, is a command. It's an action. You have to act on this. Show yourself. There has to be action, otherwise you're not modeling. You're not modeling anything. All you're doing is kind of half doing it. No one likes someone that's half doing it. So let's, let's start. My, my first point today really is having integrity means... Both action and words. The, the, the model is one of integrity. Integrity, I, I'm going to define integrity. Integrity 
is incorruptible. It's sound. It's pure. It's not contaminated. The moment we come into this earth, we are contaminated by sin. You only need to look at my two-year-old to know that. She's like slapping and going crazy all the time. And I'm like, but you're so nice when you want a cookie. Come on. It's both word and action. It's, it's actions. Dignity here, when it says in the verse dignity, it means worthy of special respect, not merely ordinary. And, and, and you know what? When I go on the internet and I read anything political, no one is showing anyone else dignity. I don't care what you believe. Christians aren't. Muslims aren't. Completely secular people aren't. There's very rarely people that are showing other people dignity. This model of integrity and dignity is one of action and words. The good works are the actions and the teaching is the words. You're speaking with your mouth, but you're also acting on that. Maybe our actions match this model of integrity. Maybe your words do. Maybe one or the other doesn't. We will be incomplete if the words from your mouth and your actions don't match up. You're a partial model. You're half. You're laying there and everyone knows this. Oh, that person says it worked, they're a Christian, but I know they cheat on everything they do. That person says they're a Christian, but I know that they're taking business from other people in illegal ways. You're a partial model. And having integrity means treating others with dignity. The dignity that God has given us cannot be taken away from us. doesn't matter who you are or, or, or what other humans do to you. You still have dignity. Human dignity starts with us rising up with integrity to stand up for others. For what is right, what is pure, and what is true. Those, you can't lose by standing up for that. If our, if our walk matches our talk, we can't be condemned. We can't be condemned because we can't have people say bad things about us because we will be taken seriously no matter what. You know, I've had bad things said about me. You know, I got really hurt last year because of something that someone is saying about me. And you know what's interesting about it is? I had people come to me and say, we know this is not true of you, but we want you to know this person said this. What? I felt really, that was like a huge compliment. They didn't realize it. They thought they were going to hurt me. And I'm like, well, that was a compliment. And I realized right then that having integrity means living consistently. Your walk has to match your talk. Your walk has to match your talk. If it doesn't match your talk, people can see through it. And they look, at all oh, that partial model. They're just kind of, they're kind of, they kind of have integrity. There's some areas I know there's cracks. So, so let me talk about pastoral integrity. I'm going to put this on myself. Pastoral integrity. What do pastors do? And maybe many of you are like, oh, you do nothing all week. You just preach on Sunday morning. That's okay. That's okay. That's not what I do. But, but pastors, they go to conferences. And you go to this conference and they tell you things like, you know, we're all about those that are faithful in their community, that are in, in small churches, and we love that, and we're so excited, and that's why we're here, it is to help you. 
hey, here's the speaker of the church's 7,000 people. You see there's a different message going on there? It, it contrasts. It doesn't make sense. And so what pastors do is they go home, and they're in a church of 50 people, and they say, well, my church is a church of 200. Because they're inflating things. They, it, to have pastoral integrity is to say, it's not about how many people are showing up to hear a sermon. It's about the fact that I'm being faithful and having integrity to tell you what the truth is. And so pastors get this whole like inflated sense of what they need to say, and they overstate numbers, and they get tempted to do that. Well, I think that pastors are not alone. I think that's a people problem. I think we do that in our jobs. I think we do that in our schools. I think we do that in our family. I think we walk up to people Sunday morning and say, everything's going fine in my family, when Really, it's not. We got one teenager that wants to, like, never talk to us again. And then we got, we got younger kids that are fighting us. And it's not okay. But we're unwilling to say that because we're struggling with this, this last step of integrity, our walk matching our talk. We talk a big talk, but then we don't walk the same way. But guess what? If your walk matches your talk, if you admit that, hey, I don't have it all together, I, I don't got this. You cannot be put to shame because your enemies are going to say, there's nothing I got to say about them. They've already said it. There's nothing there. There's no way I can get them. But we're in a shameless culture. We are in a shameless culture where anything goes. And so, But people of integrity, what happens to people of integrity is that God tells us what's, what's pure, right, and true and we stick to it. Instead of being shameless, we got to realize that, that, that God has, has given us an opportunity to be a part of something that changes hearts and minds and transforms the world. Remember that story I started with about cheating in a college class? Remember that? If I didn't stick to what's, what's pure, what's right, and what's true, I would have got an A in that class. But I didn't. I remember thinking, oh no, I'm going to have to talk to my parents about this because I was still living at home and I'm like, I really don't want to talk to them about this. But when I told them, and parents know this, like, if your kid comes to you and they did the right thing and they suffered for it, you need to praise them for it. Because honestly, that's the hardest thing to do. So how does this work out? How does this work out in our family circle? What does this look like in our family? What, what does integrity based on Titus 2, 7, and 8 look like? You know my daughter, she's, she is amazing. She's six years old. She started kindergarten. And the moment her brother says anything to her, I need to bring this up because this is so, she goes, a gentle answer turns away anger. Proverbs 15.1. I told her the other day, I said, why do you do that? She's like, well, it's on the wall. And I was like, okay, so you memorized it. I said, do you realize that probably aggravates him? I mean, just let's just throw this out here. You know, he's four. He doesn't know what you're really getting at, you know. So here's what I'm getting at with your family circle. You have to be consistent at home, at work and school, and in your community. I asked my daughter after she did that. I said, do you say that to your friends? Well, no. They would probably get mad. She, she's smart enough to know that. I said, then don't do it to your brother. You know, be consistent. Not perfect, but consistent, not two-faced. Every day on the news, there's something 
about a pastor or a church leader or a Christian person that has failed. And it's because they've allowed the slow erosion of their integrity to get to the point where they've, they've had a moral failure. So here, model and teach integrity at home. This is not just a parent to kids. It's parent to kids. It's spouse to spouse. It's your kids teaching you what it's like to be in te- have integrity at their age. What does it look like? School and work. This seems so simple. Don't cheat the system. I've worked, I worked a couple jobs in the past where we had like a commission kind of basis where we had bonuses and the system was set up so bad and I think it was on purpose, that there was no way anyone got a bonus. Like, it was just like, oh, it's like dangling a carrot in front of us and saying, you're never going to get it. It's really fun, right? And then so, so people that I worked with would say, we're going we're to game the system. If we report things this way, we'll get a bonus. And so I, don't cheat the system. Whether your teacher or boss knows, be consistent, Guess what? Most cheating in the United States in school does not get caught. It just doesn't. Be consistent. It's not between you and your teacher. It's between you, your teacher, and God. It's between you, your boss, and God. It's not just one area. And so there's there's a further part of this. Stand up to injustice. That's what integrity is. Don't turn a blind eye. Speak up. I'm not saying tattle on someone that's cheating. What I'm saying is someone's getting picked on and nobody sees it. You go and you help them. You know about abuse. You say something about it. That is a huge struggle because we sit here and like, oh, this person will never talk to me again. Is it better that a person never talks to you again because you do the right thing? Or is it better that the God of the universe never talks to you again because you have no integrity? That's what I have to tell myself. That's really hard. So your community circle, no matter who's watching, just do what's right. Just do what's right. Are you acting or speaking differently in the community? I know that I call this pastor speak. So the moment I, inter- I tell someone that I'm a pastor, when I'm not at church, their mouth suddenly cleans up, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's really funny. I, I get a kick out of it because I usually try not to tell someone because I want to see how much they're going to say. It's like a game. I'm sorry. <laughs> Now you guys know, so don't tell your friends. It's more fun that way. So, so but I, what my point is, is if you're the same here that you are in the community, no one's got any shame to tell you. If you feel you come in this building and all of a sudden your mouth's cleaned up, it needs to be the same out there. I'd much rather you talk the same in here that you do in the community. And then it, it lets me know, hey, we need to work on this. We shouldn't like be complaining all the time and talk negatively about people. I'd rather that than be two-sided. Can't really do much with two-sided people. Here's a scary thought. I'm just throwing this out here because I, I, as I was doing the sermon, this is the most scary question I think most of us could ever have. What if the entire community had your web history? Anyone a little scared yet? I mean, what, what, what if? What if this happened? Let's look at Job. Let's look at what Job went through. We're going to go to Job chapter 2. Job in the Old Testament had to make a stand of integrity. He had to say, I will not do what God has not called me to. He was tested by Satan. So first he lost his wealth. 
Tomorrow I lost my house. I lost everything that was in any bank account, which isn't much, but I lost everything. I show up at Turning Point in town, and then I find out, if I'm Job, you know, I find out that all my kids are dead. Somehow they died. And, and, and then I'm left with my wife, and then all of a sudden, I get boils all over my body. They're everywhere. And they're so painful that I take out, I, I crack a piece of pottery and I start scraping my skin. And the, and the next thing that happens is my wife says, curse God and die. Because that's what happens to Job here. Those are the steps that were taken. Satan killed his children. Satan took his wealth because God allowed him to be tempted. And then the last straw was he took Job's physical health. And so Job, in Job 2.9, his wife says to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. There's a lot to learn from this one verse. The attacks on your integrity are sometimes coming from those closest to you. And I'm not trying to create division between people, but I need you to realize that, that, that the Holy Spirit needs to guide our steps. No matter what our physical issues are, we need to hold fast to our integrity. Growing up, my dad had two kidney transplants, and I saw the older he got, the physical things that he was going through caused him to be a different person. The dad I knew at seven years old was not the dad I knew at 14. The dad I knew at 14 was not the one I knew at 21. It just was different. It wasn't enough that his wife says this to him. Job is like having his wife say this, and now, later, his friends say the same thing. And he responds to them. He responds to them strongly. Job 27.5, you can turn with me there. Job 27.5 says, Far be it for me, this is what Job's saying, that you are right. Till I die, I will not put your, my integrity away from me. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I'm stepping here. I'm pouring concrete on my feet. I'm staying right here. I'm not moving. This is where I'm going to stand. His friends now say, curse God and die. And he says, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Job wants one thing that we all genuinely want. And it comes down to this. Having integrity means taking a stand in all circumstances. It means taking a stand in all circumstances. We are going to encounter different things. Every single one of us in this room has encountered some type of grief. From losing a toy when you're a little kid to losing a loved one to losing a spouse to losing a relative. Whatever it is. But having integrity means taking a stand in all circumstances. We're not, we're not cursing God and we're not saying, I just want to die. So Job 31.6, Job says something that's so powerful. So powerful. He says, let me be weighted or weighed in a just balance and let God know what? What? My integrity. He is desiring to be seen as honest and right in God's eyes. And so if we look at Job and apply this to our circles, in our family, it's hard. We need to hold fast even when we're tempted 
by family to give up and quit. Hold fast to your integrity. I can tell you that if I was in a situation where I had to have integrity and I would lose my job, let's say, my wife would probably be like, can we get like, like a backup plan so you have another job, right? Can we, you know, like, like I know I'm going to get fired, but can we do something? Hold fast to your integrity. I've been in situations where I let it go too long and I'm like, oh, it's just painful. It's not worth it. So school and work, keep your integrity even when there's peer pressure. You notice Job's friends talk to him and they're like, you curse God and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your friends are telling you things. But you know what's pure, what's right, and what's true. So you're like, everyone's telling me to do the, the wrong thing. And I know it. Having integrity is overcoming peer pressure. And peer pressure looks different, but I'm telling you, once peer pressure it comes to like this, this, this state in high school, it kind of doesn't change the rest of your life. Like, it doesn't matter where you live or what you do. If, you're, if you have a job or this, this, this personal circle of your community, there's still going to be the same peer pressure in, in uh, your community. What do you want to be known for? You want to be known as honest. And I'm not talking the honesty of what I described earlier when people just debate each other and they, they, they attack each other's dignity. I'm talking about being honest in a way that people know that you genuinely care about them so much that you're willing to say the hard things in the most loving way possible. That's what integrity does. So what, what, what does the Psalms and Proverbs say about integrity? The Psalms and Proverbs, so Psalm 25, 21. I'm just going to quote these, these quick, and I, they're in our notes so you can look at them. But may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. He's talking about waiting for God. So we can learn a lot from this verse. Having integrity preserves and waits on God. Do you know there's tons of different preservatives? Back when there wasn't a lot of refrigeration, people put a lot of salt in things because salt could preserve certain things. And, you know, you have salted, salted meat and different things like that. So integrity is preserving you. It's making it so you're not corrupted. It's making it so there's, there's no way that you can be, can be changed and taken, you know, some part of you is taken away from what's right and what's pure and what's true. It's preserving you. So we're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting for him to move. And in the midst of waiting, we're being preserved if we have integrity. And so integrity, trust God. And this, is, this was interesting. It was a tongue twister when I did this. It preserves you, but it also helps you persevere. So if it's preserving you, it's helping you persevere when you're waiting on the Lord. And so it's, it's both. And so in our family circle, integrity waits for God to work. I, uh, I think sometimes we, we stop praying for things a little too quick. Recently, I, I had prayed for something for about six years. And at six years, God answered the prayer. And I thought, oh, man. This is so cool. And it, and it didn't even connect at first because I've been praying for it for so long. You know, you heard that moment where it's like, oh, I've just been doing this for so long. It, it just totally didn't make sense. And then I'm like, God, you did it after six years. This is amazing. Integrity waits for God to work. 
in your school, in your work, integrity doesn't skip steps. It doesn't skip a step. Does anyone really like buying a house where they didn't make it right? Let's be honest. You know, if all of a sudden you move into your house and then the floor falls through, you're like, I'm not really happy about that. You know, it doesn't skip steps. And you know, in your community, and that's probably the hardest one, waiting for God to vindicate us. We need to wait. I told someone recently in a conversation that, that pastors in general don't have time to defend themselves. And I know that sounds really weird. But in reality, if you act in integrity, there's no reason you need to defend yourself. If you wrong someone, you need to go to them. But what my point is, is if you did something and someone just attacks you for it and you acted in integrity, what are you going to say? How are you going to change your mind? What's the point in changing their mind? If someone has an opinion like that. So people might attack your character, but you have to wait on God to prove them wrong. Simple as that. So some more verses that give us a glimpse of integrity. Psalm 41. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence. How long? Forever. Set forever. Proverbs 10.9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. In Proverbs 28.6. This is one that I feel like we all need to remember every day. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. God's telling us it's pretty simple. You'd rather be poor and have integrity than be rich and not have your soul. It's very simple. These verses give us a framework for some things that are very practical. One, having integrity gives us eternal rewards. Gives us eternal rewards. Psalm 41.12 says that there is an eternal reward for integrity. We will be in the presence of God forever. I don't know if that's a promise that I can get an amen about, but I want to be in the presence of God forever. So I want to have integrity. <laughs> that's as simple as that. This is because of the integrity that we can have. And I'm telling you, one of the things I've realized is this integrity that this, the Bible's describing requires the Holy Spirit. You can't just walk out and say, I'm going to do this and try to work your way to heaven. It's, it's the Holy Spirit working in your life to be a person of integrity. It's praying after you're tempted to do the wrong thing. And then Proverbs 10.9 tells us if we don't have integrity, we're going to be found out. We are going to be found out. We, we don't have to worry about being caught with integrity. You know how many people, like this, this epidemic of stress in the United States, you know how many people would probably do really well if they just had integrity? There wouldn't be any stress. We'd just be all like, man, we're going to go to the lake every day. I don't know. We'd have to work. Sorry. Just like, hey, there'd be no stress. We all have integrity. This person said they do it. They're going to do it. This person said they're not cutting corners. They're going to do it. Teachers wouldn't even watch people while they're taking a test. It wouldn't matter. Imagine what it would be like if everyone had integrity. So let's be a part of that. Proverbs 28.6 makes it clear it's better to be poor with integrity than rich and crooked. Don't exchange your integrity for money. I know that's unpopular. 
Don't exchange your integrity for money. And you know what? I've noticed this recently, and I don't want to comment too much because this is, this is very political, but, but if you look at what has happened in the NBA on Twitter, it's like every day there's something about China and Hong Kong in the, in the NBA. I just sit here and I'm like, why is anyone talking about this stuff? Why does it even matter? And it really comes down to it's money. That's why they're talking about it. It's money. Just have integrity. Don't exchange your integrity for money. And maybe you came this morning and you're hearing this sermon and you're like, John's been gone for a long time, so he's going crazy. Okay? And, and you're beaten down because when you've had integrity, it seems that you suffer. And you've had a lot of pain because you've had integrity. Right here, it tells us a few things. One, you should value integrity more than money. And two, you're going to be found out if you don't have integrity. Name of the sermon was when no one's looking. God's always looking. I know that sounds so creepy. It's like, oh, God's always looking. Pastor, I know that. I'm like, do we live like that? Do we understand that integrity means it doesn't matter if anyone ever finds out, but I'm not going to steal that thing from so-and-so. It doesn't matter if I have an opportunity to do this thing. I'm not going to take that opportunity to sin. Instead, I'm going to take the opportunity to be obedient to God's word, and I'm going to have integrity. And this is why. Because having integrity is high stakes. There's eternal, eternal significance to what's going on. Integrity is not something to be played with. It's not something that we should toy around with. And yet, our culture tells us that integrity doesn't matter. If you have enough money, you can do whatever you want. The recent uh, college scandal was that rich people were buying their way, kids' way into Ivy League colleges because they had money. Some of them are going to jail. Some of them are getting a slap on the wrist. Some of them are getting a fine. Well, they can pay it because they got money. People's lives and livelihood is at stake. People's eternal destiny is at stake. Our character is at stake. Our souls are at stake because of one thing, our integrity. The fact that God has created us in such a way that with the Holy Spirit we can be pure, uncorrupted. And yet, we still chase after that corruption. We still chase after the things of this world. So what does this mean in our family? What does this mean for our family? And this is, this is completely overarching. Don't do something for your family that compromises your integrity. Just don't do it. I have had men say to me that they did something at their jobs because of their family and then they came to me because they knew it was wrong. Don't do it. Don't justify a bad decision because people are counting on you. People are depending on you. Don't justify it. There's no reason to. In your, in, your, in your work or your school, integrity is more important than a grade, a commission, or a promotion. It's more important. You know what? 
I would love to hear stories in this next week of you doing something with integrity and then having someone laugh at you about it. Because we're going to get laughed at. I'm not saying I want people to laugh at you, but we're going to get laughed at because we choose to do the right thing. I have had people, well, everybody's doing it, that phrase. Let's stop that phrase and let's say everybody's going to stand on the word of God and we're going to do what God's word says is having integrity. Which leads me to your community circle. Don't be known as a shady person. You know, one of the things I get as pastor is if someone comes to church and they're new, I talk to them, I get to know them and stuff. I've had people later come up to me and be like, well, that person, how they do their business, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to know that. I can talk to them about it. You know, like, that's gossip. I'm going to stop. But the reality is, what is your reputation? Does your public life and your private life match up? And you know how many people that that's not the case how many pastors, how many leaders in the church, how many, how many Christians can come to church Sunday morning and they walk out and it's the exact opposite. They're walking around like this, this partial model, thinking that they're this because they don't have integrity. You're here this morning, so you are hearing the word of God telling you, what, what, what is integrity? Integrity is saying, no matter what happens to me, I'm gonna stand with God knowing that he is good, he is right, he's true, And I am not going to sacrifice that for anything. So, so what? What what matters here? Having integrity means actions and words match up. It means treating others with dignity. When we don't treat others with dignity, the world knows. You know. Having integrity means living consistently, taking a stand in all circumstances. It doesn't mean sometimes I do the right thing. Sometimes I feel, I, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go halfway down the step. I'm going to do the right thing. Oh, I'm not. means we always do the right thing. Having integrity preserves us. It waits on the Lord. And most of all, because why, do, why does it preserve us? Why do we wait on God? Because there's eternal rewards and there's very high stakes. It, we are in the championship game of our life and we are sitting on the sideline wondering if it's a preseason game sometimes. We forget that this is so important. We need to, we need to be all in. We can't be stepping back. The stakes are high. We're, we're going to continue our service in communion. And I'm going to pray. But I, I want our time of communion to be focused on this. If God's convicted your heart, your mind, of things that you, you feel, I'm just really a partial model this morning. I'm not a full model. I'm not complete. But I want to be. Go to God and ask for the Holy Spirit to change your heart. Change your mind. Because... If you're going to try to do it on your own, it's not going to happen. You're going to fall. It's hard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask, God, that you, as the God of the universe, the one who created us and gave us dignity, Lord, you'd help us to be people of integrity, incorruptible, pure, focused on what's right, what's true, 
that your Holy Spirit would move, move both in our hearts, our minds, transform us, change us, make us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Who received the people that no one wanted to receive. Who talked to the people no one wanted to talk. Who let the people grab his cloak and touch him that no one wanted to get be around. God, help us to be people of integrity. Help us to be like Job. That no matter the circumstance, he laid himself before God and just said, may God see my integrity in every circumstance. We say all this in Jesus' name.